she called out to the captain Ian. She's like, hey, Ian, there's a boat coming to us really fast. Ian kind of came up and he looked out and he went and got his binoculars and came back and had a look. And he looked at me and said, Jared, go get the gun. And I was like, okay. So I ran downstairs and I went into his room and I got out the gun. Welcome to Not So Bon Voyage, the podcast all about when shit goes wrong on the road. This is our Voyager chat series where we interview travelers about their wildest travel stories. We're your hosts. I'm Christine. I'm Jules. And you just heard from our guest on the show today, Jared Salem. Jared is a fellow travel blogger and world adventurer who loves to go to destinations far off the beaten track. Today, he's telling us about fending off pirates in the Caribbean and surviving a head-on bus crash in Myanmar. Let's get into it. Hey there, Voyagers. We are here with Jared Salem. Jared is an award-winning travel writer. He documents his worldwide expeditions with his wife on their travel blog, Nomadosaurus. Jared is all about adventure travel, from kayaking with humpback whales in Antarctica, to attending the World Nomad Games in Kyrgyzstan, to sailing on a catamaran through Central America. Thanks so much for coming on and talking to us today, Jared. Let's kick off today's episode with you telling the Voyagers a little bit about yourself and your travels. Hey, Jules and Christine. Thank you so much for having me. Stoked to be on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm Jared. I've uh, been traveling around for about 12 years. I'm from Sydney, Australia, uh, currently living in a van, traveling around Oz up in Queensland right now in Northern Australia. Uh, yeah, been very fortunate to explore a lot of really cool places over the last few years and managed to turn travel into a career, which has been super cool uh, and allowed me to go to crazy places like Antarctica and Kyrgyzstan and all these different places. So yeah, life has been great. Uh, Stoked that I can be here to chat with you guys a little bit about what I've been up to, the good and the bad. So yeah, thanks again for having me. Yeah, great. And you're in your van right now. Tell us about that. How's that going? Oh, guys, yeah. So we bought a camper van back in March when all this kind of pandemic stuff kicked off. Uh, and, yeah, this is Marley. Uh, I won't give you a proper tour because I'll have to move the laptop around. But, um, yeah, Marley's a 2008 Mercedes Sprinter and, like, fully decked out off-grid. We got mountain bikes on the back, kayak. We got everything we need to kind of cruise around Australia and live super comfortably and work online as well, which is great. Um, yeah, the best kind of situation I think we could be in right now and loving the van life. I, I mean, you guys know exactly what it's like though, right? Oh, yeah, man, no, our, van van life, life. our van is definitely not as nice though. It's uh, it's in it's in need of a bit of TLC at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so. it's a bit rough. It's a bit rough around the edges. It barely survived our winter Canada trip. It like coasted in on fumes and it needed a little break, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's not rough. It's character. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It has a lot of character. Yeah, it has a 90, that. 92. Uh, <laughs> definitely not a high top, so. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you guys buy your van like already decked out or did you do it yourself or? Already decked out. Uh, we were kind of umming and ahhing about whether we'd buy like an empty shell to do ourselves, which is what we wanted to do originally. Uh, but then this one popped up on the market and it was kind of right in this weird time where everything had kind of kicked off and no one was really understanding what's going to be happening and people were unfortunately losing their jobs, but then no government stimulus packages had kicked in yet. So like secondhand vehicles had just plummeted in price. And then we kind of just snuck in, bought this one off a couple um, who were planning on moving back to New Zealand. And yeah, we just timing was perfect. She was already good to go. So yeah, we basically just put some homely touches in her, like, you know, hanging up the ukulele and some paintings and stuff and hit the road. Beautiful. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, we're not going to talk too much about the good travels today because we're all about talking about <laughs> when things are going wrong. It sounds like you guys are doing it too well at the moment. So we've got to uh, we've got to we've got to bring you back down to earth. 
So we're going to jump into five quick questions to warm up before we get into your main story. They are called our not-so-fab five rapid questions, and I'll kick off with the first one, which is what is the worst thing that you have ever eaten on your travels? Oh, it'd have to be balut for sure, the oh. fertilized duck egg. I got, yeah, like the duck egg that's kind of fertilized and fermented. I had that in Cambodia, and it, yeah, our tuk-tuk driver kind of dared me to do it, and yeah. I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> oh, yeah. that sounds horrible. We had some Filipino friends try to get us to try that, and that was a hard pass for us. I was like, I can't. That's just uh, oh, too much. You guys are yeah. way smarter than I am. Oh, <laughs> man, that sounds so brutal. We've actually, I think we've had, I think we had someone say that as well. Yeah, it's, we did. I, we had I think one. that for those who are brave enough to have tried it, I think that it's definitely going to be a front runner because it is like a semi fermented. Like fertilized. Yeah, it's a fertilized egg that pretty much has like a baby chick inside of it growing already. So sometimes, I don't know if you've got any like bones or I've heard there's like even feathers inside. Yeah, bit into it and it was crunchy. Nah, don't don't recommend it. it. Is that the (laughs) eggshell? No, it's not. Yeah, (laughs) I I definitely don't recommend that to any of your listeners. Eggs should not be crunchy. No, no. not right okay what has been your least favorite country you know this one's a little bit controversial sometimes but very it's, controversial it's always discussion. interesting to hear how people not only answer but what what, what they answer mm-hmm. yeah and uh our least favorite country and this has been quite controversial actually and we've copped a lot of kind of slack over it for over the last few years for saying it but um china we had a really hard time traveling china um we were there for four months and i just think mentally we weren't in the right place uh, we're traveling on a mega tight budget, we're kind of hitchhiking and taking public buses around, going to these random little villages, which were beautiful, uh, but, you know, very rarely see international tourists. And, yeah, that's why you travel, right? You want to have those really cool, unique experiences. Um, but it, we just didn't really feel welcome anywhere we went. And it's not because people try to make us feel unwelcome. I think it was just that cultural difference, right? Um, you know, people couldn't quite understand who we are and why we're in their little village. And um, yeah, and then, yeah, just mentally we're in a really kind of dark space. I think we just left like 15 months of having an incredible time in Southeast Asia uh, and China was a huge culture shock to us. Even with all the travels we've done, um, we just weren't used to it. But you know, even though it's our least favorite country, I still think it was one of the most beautiful places we've been. It's so diverse and the history there is fascinating. So even though I am not in a rush to go back um, potentially ever again, uh, it's <laughs> not somewhere I would tell people not to go to because I think it's well worth traveling and seeing anyway. Yeah, it's really interesting because I like you, like us as well, you know, we do a lot of adventure travel. We're trying to get off the beaten path and, and sometimes, you know, you find yourself getting so far off the beaten path that it has a reverse effect where you're like, they have, they're not set up for you know, tourists and they, they're like, I don't know what you're doing here. And you're like, I don't know what I'm doing here either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think especially if you've come from somewhere like a region that you just have fallen in love with, like Southeast Asia, and then you're going somewhere completely different, it can be that big culture shock. And it can be kind of a letdown when you just had such a wonderful experience to kind of have this contrasted experience. So we get that. We've had the same. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think if we had of you know, if we had just left after a month and gone to Mongolia, our opinion of China would have been completely different. But we stuck it out because we're idiots and even though we weren't having a, a great time, we're like, No, no, well we can do this, you know, we've got this and we yeah, we kind of just drove ourselves into the ground by, you know, spending so much time there. Uh, our own fault, I guess. 
Oh, we know the feeling. We It's like that backpacker that. mentality. We were talking about this recently, I think, on last week about the idea of just like you get to this point where you feel like you've got to keep going and you're not really sure why. Um, it's almost like you're trying to challenge yourself and prove to yourself that you can keep doing it and realize like sometimes you should just pull the bin yeah, <laughs> and just definitely. go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, it's you, know, you have the hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Um, yeah, it's a good it. lesson to have, I think. For yeah. sure. All right, number three. What is the most overrated landmark or attraction that you've ever visited on your travels? Oh, look, it's it's quite hard. The the most overrated attraction or landscape. Um, I personally think New York, uh, and that like I know I know every everyone's like, oh, New York. I know New York's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, but I mean, uh, let me kind of kick off with a caveat saying I'm not a city person. Um, mm-hmm. But I went to New York, really excited to go and check it out, and I I got there, and it's it's everything you expected to be. It's loud, and um, you know it's busy, and that you can do anything you want there. There's so many opportunities, and you know the food's great, everything's great about it. But I kind of got there, and I was like, ah, oh, it's just a city really at the end of the day um but let me narrow that down even more new york i mean i didn't dislike new york i thought new york was fine um not as great as i expected but now i'm going to narrow it really down times square is the most overrated place on the planet. <laughs> that's a good one that's a good answer that is a good answer that is a very good one we got there and we're like okay everyone talks about times square we got like all the cameras set up and we're like we're gonna go down and get photos we got down there and like it's just a giant advertisement for like all the, like what is the appeal of this place it's busy and there's so, neon signs for companies everywhere you look. I'm like, I, I, I was just like, whatever. We took a few photos and bailed and <laughs> never went back. But uh, yeah, controversial, I'm sure, because tons. We we did a shout out or like a poll on um, Instagram when we were there. It's like, is this place the most overrated joint on the planet? And like, 80 percent of people are like, no, you guys are idiots. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's surprising. Yeah. Uh, Times Square is definitely. I think the only thing more overrated than Times Square is Times Square on New Year's Eve. That sounds Ooh. horrible. Like people have to yeah. get there so, so early in the morning and stand in their spot all day and all night just to see, see this ball, ball drop. drop. And I don't know where people are going to the bathroom, but it sounds horrific. So <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that would, yeah, Times Square is not that great, guys. Yeah, I'm going to wipe go. that off my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> also, New York City, if you're not a city person, New York City is probably just like the ultimate city. So it's, yeah, it, yeah if you're not a city person, you're pretty much not going to be that interested in it yeah the first time i the first time i ever went to new york was after we were just wrapping up like two years of backpacking through central and south america and so we were doing it super cheap like very local very regional and then we're flown into new york and i was just so overwhelmed by just the choices and the people and the busyness and i was like almost shut down i was like this is way too big for me like i'm not a big city person at all we had a 12 hour layover in new york city on the way home from uh a pretty much a year in south america and we our friend took us to a bagel spot right when we landed and there were so many choices of toppings and we were just like jules could not choose we were so overwhelmed i'm like was, where's the rice and beans we're simple people now we don't need all this but <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, overwhelming. You got 500 choices. You're like, I'll just take the plain bagel. I can't do yeah. this right now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a good answer. Times Square is not that great. Okay. Worst place you've ever slept on your travels? Uh, the worst place I've ever slept on my travels is in a. Mm, there's a lot of places, but uh, 
for the whole experience, <laughs> I think uh, I'm going to say a little hotel room uh, on the border of Mongolia and China. Like we showed up super early in the morning. It was like two in the morning. We were just like trying to cross the border uh, and nowhere was open or anywhere that was open. We're trying to charge ridiculous prices because we we're just like too foreigners showing up at two in the morning and they knew we had no choice. Um, and we found this really dingy, dingy hotel and the cops were parked outside and we're like, oh, that's kind of weird. And we went inside and there was a local guy who just, finished beating his family and there was like broken booze bottles everywhere and the lady was like oh here you go here's your room like right next door to this whole you know kerfuffle that was going on and we're we had no that was like the last hotel that was open at that point and we were like okay and we like snuck in there and the cops left they didn't arrest the guy and then he just went on a huge tangent um and we like pushed all our furniture up against the door oh (laughs) um there was no bathroom in the in the um in the toilet uh, in the room that we had, so we were just like, oh, I guess we're not going to the bathroom until tomorrow. Um, oh my kind god! Of, yeah, barricaded ourselves in and just lay there in bed listening to this guy do God knows what. <laughs> we were afraid that like he was just going to start like ripping down doors. He, like we saw the guy; he was huge, he was a gigantic Mongol guy, um, you know, proper warrior looking dude. Um, it was a scary night, that's for sure. Damn. There was nothing, nothing we could do. We were just like locked in this room, hoping that. A, that the people were going to be okay because the cops had just left and they were like, we're not dealing with this guy and they bailed. Um, and then, yeah, B, hoping that we'd be okay. So uh, that was probably the most stressful place that we've spent the night. Um, and then in terms of like bad, yeah, there's tons of, you know, bad places, bed bugs, rats, all that kind of stuff. But that's just part of travel. So I, I tend not yeah. to remem- remember those <laughs> ones all that often. Yeah, often yeah. we find that often people answer this story, uh, this one, it's like, they're like bad, but they kind of make the story interesting that they retell. But I feel like with your one, there's nothing really good you can pull from that. It's yeah, like, that's, terrifying. that's terrifying. That would really freak me out. I don't yeah. think I would have slept at all in that situation. Oh, we really didn't. We, we basically just lay there in bed, like Alicia and I just talking to each other. And yeah, eventually it went quiet. Um, I'm guessing the guy passed out. Um, and then, yeah, we just kind of lay there until, you know, whatever time where we felt it was safe to like kind of get out and just hit the road and get the hell out of there yeah damn get the hell out of there that sounds so scary wow <laughs> yeah. i'm glad you guys survived <laughs> yeah uh, we were fine um yeah it could have been worse we could have you know had to sleep on the street or whatever so you got to try and make a positive out of some, everything i guess so it wasn't yeah. overly expensive how's that <laughs> we saved a bit of cash <laughs> that's positive yeah do you, yeah do you remember how much it was I think it was bucks. like 20, 20 US dollars we pay, which is like the most we paid anywhere in Mongolia. So it was still stupidly expensive. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> we had a roof over it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most important. Yeah. All right. And the last one where I feel like I'm, I know where this one's going to go, but question number five, have you ever pooped your pants while traveling? Oh, how long is our podcast interview? <laughs> um, we designed this question for you when we were thinking about what are the questions yeah. we can ask. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, I'm sure you guys know, uh, but like for a lot of your listeners, um, I've got a bit of a history of pooping my pants when I travel. Uh, and, and I've got like a whole series on our website about these different stories. So, I mean, short answer to your question, yes, many, many times. Um but like, just I'll, I'll just very, very, very quickly dive into like two of my favorite ones. One was um, pooping 
my pants in the Tibetan monastery, um, <laughs> like out, out, in the, out in the courtyard. Like I'm sure I've got some horrible, horrible karma from that. Oh, um, God. And then, yeah, I, I had to kind of sneak in, not sneak in, invite myself into a Chinese family's home in the middle of a village, um, you know, nowhere to, yeah, relieve myself in their bathroom. And I'm sure those guys still tell the story that, they were just like chilling out watching TV and next thing you know, like a foreign tourist bangs on the door, like runs in and is like, I'm about to shit myself, please. Like, <laughs> how, do you, how does that translation go down? How do you how do you explain? Is it like a lot of kind of charades? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it was, they could tell straight away. I came in, I was like cramped over it. I was like, I just looked around, there was a whole family and they're kind of just staring at me. Like I, I literally, I just walked into their living room. I saw stairs, went upstairs, thought it might've been a restaurant, turned out to be someone's home. Um, whole family <laughs> there. And I was just like, uh, uh, ni hao, uh, bathroom and i was like bent over and i was like my face is probably all distorted and fear and pain and, <laughs> and the grandpa just got like the little five-year-old kid or whatever he was is like got him up said something and he came took my hand and led me back to the bathroom so it was pretty clear luckily i didn't have to try and like get my translator book out and be like oh. <laughs> like flipping to the pages really quickly there's nothing that yeah. says how to shit yourself in mandarin yeah, yeah. hold on you got a pen and paper i'll draw it <laughs> <laughs> it's like, i guess there's a, there's probably some international sign of distress in your face where it just translates to any language where they're like someone's like I don't know what you're saying but I know that face and I can see yeah. the way you're hunched over yeah, <laughs> yeah we've wow. all been there someone had too much chili yeah <laughs> that sounds brutal I'm glad you found a toilet though it's good yeah Okay, those are great stories. I feel a lot of people have said they haven't sh- uh, shot their pants or they have not confessed to it we I think we've only had one person. Yeah, yeah. So you're making up for a lot of the other people. We'll just add really? yours a we, few times. We appreciate the honesty because we know yeah. if anybody's been doing some backpacking and they've been out there in the in the sticks, we know that not everybody always makes it to the bathroom in time. Yeah, Jules, you're, you're talking like you've got experience. In that. <laughs> Jules has a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah. I knew we were kindred spirits. <laughs> <laughs> He's also a multiple timer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you know, when you're out traveling, especially if you're if you're adventurous with your eating and you're eating street food, and you know, you develop a pretty solid stomach over the years. But there's still there's still things that can cut you down pretty quickly. Yeah, really. Right, uh, yeah. You get those moments where your stomach just drops. Uh, it's like I've got 15 seconds to figure out the situation <laughs> <Yeah>. really quickly. <laughs> totally. Okay, now that we've warmed up with those lovely stories, let's get into your not-so-bon voyages. So I'm sure you have a ton of crazy stories from your adventures. I know you've given us a couple teasers. So let's start with your time fending off pirates in the Caribbean. Yeah, so when when you guys asked me about it, um, I had a few ideas that came to mind, but this one is kind of a story that I've found that Alicia and I will whenever you're sitting around the pub and you're meeting new people, you talk about random stories, this one tends to pop up a fair bit. Um, so we're in Guatemala, I think at the time, uh, and we we're trying to hitch a ride to Utila, uh, a little island off the coast of Honduras. And we met a guy that had a boat. He was super cool. And he was like, oh, you guys are more than welcome to jump on board for a couple of days. We're going that way anyway. So we basically hitchhiked a ride on a yacht. Um, and then nice. during that time, we got along with the captain he was a 60 year old Aussie dude like really chill guy the first mate was a really cool Mexican guy and we, we all just got along really well so once we kind of got to Utila they were like oh you guys are like you know we're having a great time do you guys want to stay on board we're going to Panama yeah like, yeah that sounds great so Alicia and I went from 
backpacking, you know, taking chicken buses everywhere, staying in five-dollar-a-night hostels to, like, balling it on this really cool catamaran um, with, like, two of the coolest guys on the planet. So Drink we were having a rum. Oh, it was, like... <laughs> It, well, it was like maybe 25% of the time, like chilling out, you know, on, on, on the bow, drinking rum, having a good time. Like the other 75% was like doing repairs. Turns out boat life isn't really <laughs> glamorous. Um, but yeah, anyway, so we, we left, uh, we left Utila, went to Roatan, and then we kind of kept making our way around the Cape of, uh, Cape of Nicaragua. And we came in close to shore, uh, cause there was a big storm off the coast and, we are kind of coming in, it was dusk, and I think it might have been Alicia at the time. Uh, she was standing out on the deck doing uh, watch, and she called out to the captain, Ian. She's like, hey, Ian, there's a boat coming to us really fast, like out of nowhere, right? Um, Ian kind of came up, and he looked out, and he went and got his binoculars and came back and had a look, and he looked at me and said, Jared, go get the gun. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, it, was like, it was a quick okay. transition. Yeah. Um, so I ran downstairs and I went into his room and I got out the gun. Um, it wasn't a real gun. It was an air rifle. that He used to just, like, scare birds off when they were, like, getting too close or whatever. Okay. So it wasn't even a real gun. Um, but it, it was kind of, yeah, like, it went from, like, zero to 100 really bloody quick. <laughs> and um, so, like, ran back up with the gun and Renan, the Mexican guy, he was, like, six foot five and... 300 pound the dude's huge right like massive guy so he's quite intimidating and uh, we all went and stood on the when it stood on the port side i guess or whatever and the boat was coming directly towards us um and we kind of just tried to look really scary right and they got your really chest out a little bit and just <laughs> yeah pretty much um and i was kind of holding the gun above my head and renan's like beating his chest or whatever the hell he was oh doing like I, I don't know um but yeah, jungle calls yeah, like, and Alicia was there and Ian and uh, the captain's wife too. And we, we tried to show what, what Ian was saying we should do is just show them how many people are on board and we might be able to, you know, throw these guys off and scare them. Anyway, they were getting, they were like full speed ahead, pinpointing it directly to us. And they got about 100 metres away from us and they kind of slowed down and they were like drifting and there was, I don't know, maybe three or four people on board so not a lot uh we we outnumbered them um but i mean there was you know guys who obviously knew what they would if if they were pirates they knew what they were doing you know we're like i've got i was holding a gun i've never even fired a gun in my life i wouldn't have a clue what to do if they actually you know i was just standing there holding it like uh i'm sure there's like a tutorial about this somewhere i should have watched one day um, on youtube anyway they're kind of like yeah, I should have jumped on YouTube. Um, anyway, so they kind of like stopped and they drifted and they sat there for maybe like 15, 20 seconds and they were talking to each other. Um, and then they kind of just waved and turned around and left. Um, wow. And so I, to this day, I don't know if they were pirates. Where we were is really notorious, like kind of right on the border of Honduras and Nicaragua uh, around that Cape. Um, it's notorious for petty piracy where, you know, pirates have come out. They don't take your boat or kill you or anything like that. They just kind of come and they rob you and then they, they bail. But I'm still not sure. They could have just been like friendly fishermen and they were like coming out to like, they just caught some fish and they like come to sell some. And like all of a sudden these dudes come out with guns and they're like, ah, we're, we're vegan, get away. You know, like, so um, yeah. Or they're coming to warn you that pirates are actually on their way and they're like, oh fuck, these are the pirates. <laughs> they're the pirates, oh shit. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I 
I'm like 50-50. I don't know if they were really pirates. They looked like pirates. as a real dodgy boat. And they were quite a fair way offshore. Like, there's no real reason for anyone to be approaching us the way they did. But, yeah, they could have just been, like, super cool, chill, you know, locals who just wanted to come party with us. I don't know. Very oh excited. God, Very so excited funny. to meet foreigners. They're like, oh, my God, I can see him. They look Australian. Oh, let's go have some yeah. fun. And, like, and you're like, fuck off, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just wow. yeah, not having a bar of it. Um, yeah, and, and that was, like, the the kickoff of what turned out to be a very disastrous few days um, as we ended up breaking the boat off the Cape of Nicaragua and having to crawl on back to Honduras. But um, yeah, that was my short lived sailing career. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. That sounds scary though. Pirates like are something, I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't fuck with that. Ever since uh, Captain, was it Captain Phillips? Yeah, or? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's Yikes. my um, very, pathetic version of his story. It's <laughs> <laughs> a mini version of the story. Yeah, it's nice. a small version. Nice. Okay. But other than that, it was like leading up to that was the catamaran trip was pretty fun. It was, yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. Um, it, it's the kind of thing that quite a few people do. There's like a website called find a crew that, you know, if someone wants to do that, essentially just like start working on a sailboat and cruising around and go to these really cool places. You can do that. It's, it's like, um, couch surfing for, um, I don't know if it's still around. I'm sure it is. Um, yeah, it's like catch surfing for yachties, you know, and you That's can get, cool. yeah, get jobs doing that, like working on sailboats. Um, yeah, Alicia and I had a great time. We went to some really cool places. You know, like I said, there was 25% of the time it was amazing, kind of chilling out, drinking rum, like dolphins and what, you know, the whole typical sailing in the Caribbean kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, boat life is not glamorous. Like it, most of the time we were just, fixing shit that was breaking and turns out that stuff breaks all the time on yeah. a boat. So, yeah. It seems like one of those things that sounds like the perfect life, just, you know, going here and there on a sailing boat. And then in reality, it's just a lot more rough and difficult than you would think. Mm. Also, I get seasick. Uh, so that's a no for me. Yeah. It's a hard no for Christine. It's a hard no, but it sounds nice. Oh, we, yeah. We got sick. We got really seasick when we started, like the first two days we were Alicia and I were just horrible. And then at some point, our bodies just adapted and then everything was kind of normal. But yeah, we didn't go into it without sea legs. That's for sure. We were hot. We were yeah. rough. <laughs> okay, oh. that's good to know. I figured I would just be seasick forever. Like, it would just it's never, like, this is my life away. now. This is my life yeah, forever. No, at some point, you'll adapt, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. I'm going to remember that in case I, you know, want to work on a sailing boat. <laughs> Probably not, but you never know. <laughs> After band life, get a boat. Yeah. yeah boat life. <laughs> boat life. Okay, that was a hilarious story. Um, so you also told us about surviving a head-on bus crash in Myanmar. We definitely have to hear that story. Yeah. So Alicia and I, we crossed the border from Thailand uh, and we were trying to get to Yangon, which is one of the main cities there in Myanmar. And we had organized a, a ride from a guy at the border and he kind of drove us maybe a third of the way. And then he pulled up at this town. He's like, all right, you guys get out. Like I've got better stuff to do than just kind of show you I like, drive you to Yangon. <laughs> um, he's like, but don't worry, I'm going to, I'm going to get you on a bus. And we're like, oh, okay. We thought it was going to be a tourist bus. Like you find in Thailand, like a really nice, you know, air conditioned, cool bus or whatever. Anyway, it, it was just a local bus and that's totally cool. Um, you know, like chicken bus style, right. Um, that you get in Central America. And yeah, so we were fine with that. We jumped on, but it was like crowded, super 
super overcrowded bus and people everywhere people sprawled out in the aisle and everything and uh the driver was driving like an absolute maniac as you kind of get um in that part of the world like i i think they get paid based on how many journeys they can do in a day or whatever so they're driving driving really fast right they're just trying to crank in as many k's in a day as they can get um so yeah this dude's just like hooning around like we're we're making wicked time to get to Yangon. And they're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. We're going to get there. Great. Right? We're going to go everywhere yeah. faster. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be there in time for sunset. Get, you know, anyway, um, didn't didn't happen that way. Uh, we went around a corner and I was kind of sitting there and Alicia was playing Candy Crush on the phone or whatever. And I was looking out the, I had a view at the windscreen. And as we went around the corner, saw another bus coming around that soon occupied our top, the entire windscreen. And I remember kind of, kind of thinking and i may have said out loud i'm not sure i went this is going to get really close and then bam like it was just a head-on cat head-on crash um i don't know the speed we're doing it might have been about 50k an hour so 35 mile an hour um so both buses were probably doing about that and the two so like we it wasn't direct it was kind of half on each side of the front of the bus um, and the bus just kind of crumpled uh, and stuff went everywhere and people got thrown and dust. I, I remember the dust. There was like dust just came out of everywhere. And it was, we're in a huge cloud, right? And every once everything kind of stopped, it was like dead silent. And I looked at Leash and Leash's all sh- shook up, but I was like, are you okay? She's like, oh, yeah, she's okay. And then we started checking the people around us and is everyone okay? And, you know, everyone, there was no one unconscious or anything. Everyone looked to be more or less okay. And then I looked at Leash and went, the bus is going to blow, get off. And I like, get out of my way. And I pushed it back <laughs> and I, I got up and I was ready to kick the, uh, kick the window out. I was like, I'm, I'm going to like MacGyver my way out of this bus. So like, he's going to kick it. Alicia's like, wait, stop. And she just slid the window open. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, and wow. then, so Alicia, Alicia crawled down. I helped her get down and then she helped me get down. Um, and then, we kind of like evaluated what was going on and then we crawled back up into the bus and started helping people get off. There were like mums with like newborn babies and stuff. And I was just worried that like the bus might have blown up from, you know, a, a spark hitting the fuel or anything. So we, we quickly got as many people off. I ran around the back, opened the, the back of it and then, you know, luggage went everywhere and people were just crawling over that. And then the driver showed up from our bus and he was completely cut up uh, and he was kind of running around. He went into, I guess, survival mode and he was trying to help people as well, which was really, really great because you know, obviously we don't speak Barmese, so we're just kind of pointing and grabbing people and trying to figure out what the cultural, you know, the right thing to do culturally is like, you know, it's a Buddhist country. Am I allowed to just go up and grab a lady, a carrier? Like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and anyway, we... Um, yeah, the driver kind of took over, which was cool. And then he was like bleeding. So we sat him down. I did a bit of first aid on him, um, patched up a few things. But then, like, I'm trying to patch him up. And he's like, no. And he gets band aid and just like slaps on his head. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever, dude, that's not going to work, but okay. Um, and then, yeah, so at this point, we've got everyone off the bus. And the other bus is like now emptied and nothing's blown up, luckily. Uh, and then an ambulance drives by. And it slows down and it kind of, the paramedics kind of look out the window and they're staring out towards us and they, they go real slow, like 5K an hour. And they're like, oh, thank God, paramedics are here. And they see that everything seems to be under control and they just like floor it. <laughs> oh, my God, that's hilarious. 
There's yeah. like there's yeah. a couple of they're foreigners. Just like you're fine. Yeah, there's a couple of foreigners. That guy's got a band aid, so I'm sure that they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they're so uh, exactly you guys got that. this? No, no, no. Come back, come back. Now nah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Like it, yeah, they're probably like, ah, oh, well, he's probably got more supplies than we do anyway. Um, and then. <laughs> And then a truck showed up and they were trying to like pull the, like they were trying to tow the buses apart and some dude in his underwear was like, he just came out of nowhere and started directing people. And I'm sure there's a photo on our blog about it. The dude literally just wearing underwear and, and flip-flops and he's kind of just out there pointing and whatever. And he's got a rope and he's like trying to tow stuff. Anyway, it turned out to be a, um, everyone survived. So that's okay positive That's ending good. no one no one was in like a too bad of a way luckily um and we ended up hitchhiking a ride on another bus luckily like one family kind of saw what we, how we were helping out and they let up they were like oh yangon like, yeah which well we were trying to get to yangon and they flagged down a bus for us and they put us on the bus so we could get out of there um yeah that was our bus crash story we got to yangon and oh the great we got to yangon like midnight so we didn't get there early in the end like took us ages to get there and then we, we checked into our hostel and the, we had to wake the guys up to check in and like oh we're really sorry we're late we had we couldn't call anyone obviously we didn't have a phone or anything so like i'm oh, really sorry we're late um we, we're in a bus crash and the guy's like oh yeah yeah like, yeah, like, <laughs> like like our bus was had a crash and he spoke a great english he's like yeah it happens I'm like Oh, wow. <laughs> okay then. You're like, like looking for some special treatment. He's like, yeah, I was in one this morning as well. Like, what's the deal? Yeah, yeah just chill out, dude. Welcome to Myanmar. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's so scary. I've We've been in so many buses like in Central America and Southeast Asia. And I'm like, this is doubling in a crash. Like, there's no way we're going to survive this kind of driving. And so far, knock on wood, like we've been fine. But you kind of just have to put your... Uh, your life in their hands, basically, because there's no other way to get from point A to point B. So that's yeah. just the way it is sometimes. We were on a minibus going uh, from, I think we we're going from like Santa Marta and further north in, in Colombia. And our driver, like, I shit you not, he was nodding off. We were sitting at the front and we could see him like, you know, like when you're falling asleep and you start to like nod off. And we're like, this guy's falling asleep. Like, for real, it's dark, it's late at night and he's gone, he's driving like a madman around these bends. I'm like, this guy is falling asleep. So I'm like trying to like speak. And like, thankfully our Spanish is not too bad. So I'm just like trying to keep the conversation going so this guy doesn't fall asleep. <laughs> oh, fucking driving. I'm like, I can see his eyes like slowly resting. Oh, man, that was a terrifying trip. So oh, no. did, did you keep him awake at least? Yeah, I just was talking to him flat out. I would, <laughs> like, I would, hey, hey. I would not shut up every time we like. Every time the conversation stopped, I just like started talking. Oh, tell me about your kids. Like, tell me about sport. Like, tell me about the, you know, politics. I was going to anything. I was like anything to get this guy awake. He's like, I'm <laughs> trying to sleep. I need my nap. Can you shut up? Yeah, how oh are you with God. algebra, dude? Let's let's banter a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God, that's scary. We also had somebody we hitchhiked with. We were, I think this was also in Colombia. We hitchhiked in a truck and we were with this guy. And then he just pulls out this bottle of like fire water, like agua, uh, agua diente, yeah. like yeah. pure alcohol. Yeah. And he's like swinging it back. He's like, you want some? We're like, no, we're good. You probably also shouldn't be drinking that. But here we are. Like, I'm pretty sure we did it. drink because we thought, well, if we're going to crash, at least if we're a little bit drunk, it's probably going to be better. That's true. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well. I, I got no control over the situation. I may as well be tanked. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many times when you're traveling, you pretty much have to just give up control, especially in developing countries. It's like the safety level may not be the quite the same standard as where we're from. And you just have to be like, this is it. We'll just do this and see what happens. 
yeah, so far it's been okay. Exactly. It's all about getting out of your comfort zone, right? And for tons of people, that's like the most, like the biggest way you can get out of that comfort zone is you basically hand all control over any situation to someone who doesn't even speak the same language as you. And you're just like, I'm just going to have to trust that this is going to end up okay. And 99.9% of the time it ends up perfectly fine and you end up with a cool story out of it. You make some friends and all that. And then that like 0.1%, it, you know, it may go wrong, but usually then it's not even that bad. You end up being interviewed on a podcast about it, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, in wrapping up your story, what is what is your travel takeaway to the for the voyages for when those times that one percent? What is your key travel takeaway? If you could suggest something for people to do when it, you do lose control, I guess my key takeaway would be just to breathe and not really stress or panic about the situation because at the end of the day you're in a foreign country and no matter what you have an understanding of how a situation should pan out uh it's not going to end up that way like you're in a different country different culture there are different attitudes to, to how things should evolve and play out in certain situations so yeah you, you kind of just got to breathe and accept what's going to happen um and do what you can to look after yourself and the people around you and everything but um you also just have to trust that everything is going to be okay uh and yeah I, I guess that's kind of a bit breathing relaxing trust um pack a first aid kit <laughs> just in case um yeah, you crash into a bus head on. <laughs> yeah, you need to patch up that's your driver. It. That's it. Um, and take a journal, take a diary, write down all the crazy things that happen to you too. Because if if you travel anywhere that's not like a all inclusive resort, um, even if it's just like a one week holiday vacation with your friends or whatever, that somewhere that you've all been ten times, like things always go wrong. And as long as you look at the bright side of it and try to stay positive, like it's going to, you're going to end up laughing about it in the future. Um, it's always cool if you have a diary or a blog or whatever, and you just kind of jot those things down. And, you know, even though it can be stressful at the time in the future, you'll go back and you'll read that diary, post, like diary entry and be like, Oh, that shit, that was such a random day. Like, Oh, do you remember <laughs> this? Whatever. And you know, time heals all wounds. Right. So it always ends up being quite funny in the end. Yeah, I think that's a great tip, like that idea of, you know, when you're in another country and you're outside your comfort zone, but you're also outside like what you know and what you know is like how things should go in terms of local customs and laws and even just like practices. And that really is like where you find yourself like being out of your comfort zone the most. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that advice of having a journal. I usually journal when I travel too. And some of those little things that go wrong that are hilarious, you kind of forget by the time you get back home. But if you have a journal, you can look back at them and be like, oh, I survived all of these things. Like I'm a really good traveler now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I'm always going to have that image of you trying to bust open the window and then Alicia just being like, wait a second, (laughs) slide it open. It's exactly how it panned out too. I was like, "Leash, get out of the way. We're getting off the bus, like foot up. And I was like, oh, I was, I was, I was like, the adrenaline was like, I probably let out a roar to her. Leash is like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, she was way more cool, calm, collecting that situation than I was. There you go. Uh, that would definitely be me. I'd be like, such then, a man move. And then I'd yeah. be disappointed. I'd be dis- I'd probably be angry at Christine for like telling me that you can open the window. Because I'm like, man, I was so close to kicking that thing open. <laughs> he stole my glory moment. Yeah. Oh, I was going to be the hero of the story. <laughs> That's so funny. I love that. Uh, okay, thank you so much for sharing your stories. That was awesome. Those were hilarious. Um, so now, pimp yourself out. Tell the voyagers where they can find you and any projects that you're working on. 
Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Thanks again for having us, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm. Well, I can be found anywhere that's got the Nomadosaurus tag. Uh, Nomadosaurus is our blog. Nomadosaurus on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and all that, um, where we share a lot. A lot of the stuff is our you know journey now, living in a van. Uh, but we also touch on a lot of our crazy past stories. And you know, Alicia and I work as photographers, so we're always sharing like photography tips and things like that. Uh, current project is a new one called Van Life Theory, uh, which is all about van life uh so we got the instagram the website for that as well and yeah right now we're just traveling around australia living out of the van taking photos going hiking going mountain biking kind of living a fun adventurous lifestyle while uh, making money online as well so if anyone wants to reach out connect with us van life theory or nomadosaurus just connect drop us a message on any platform or send us an email and you know we all we love connecting with people as well we respond to everyone it might take us a little while due to crappy internet and things like that but we love hearing from people and we always respond to everyone and who knows maybe we'll get to catch up one day and have a beer and share some travel stories Awesome. And we'll put a link to all of those channels in the show notes so people can go and check it out and they can find you nice and easily. And we want to thank you once again for coming on the show and for sharing your not-so-bon voyages with us. Yes, Until next time, my man. Thank you very much, guys. Loved it. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Well, there we go, Voyagers. Another cracking Voyager chat there with Jared Salem from Nomadosaurus. If you want to connect with him and all the cool things that they're doing over at their blog and with the van, go to notsobonvoyage.com and see the show notes because that is where you'll find all the links and all the information that you need to connect with him and what he's doing. That's right. And if you have a story and would like to come on the podcast or if you'd like us to share your story, your Not So Bon Voyage, go to notsobonvoyage.com slash submit and submit your crazy ass travel story. Better be crazy though. Better be crazy. And you can also hit us up on the social medias because you know that's where we're at. That's where we be at all the time. At Not So Bon Voyage on Instagram and Twitter. Come and say hello and we will say hello back. Yes, slide into our DMs. That's what we do. All right, guys, until next time, remember to stay safe on the road. And if you're not, make sure you tell us about it. Bye. Bye.